Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. We got another live episode for you guys today. We're recording all our episodes on Wednesday, but we pick one special guest to record live. And today that guest is TJ Nelson. He's the owner and operator over at Direct Solar in Las Vegas. These guys do 400 to 500 kilowatts a month through lead generation and mainly door knocking. That's why I had to have my guy on. He's a door knocking OG, just like me. He's got 40 employees over there a 4.9 rating with Google. Those guys have 208 reviews right now. You don't see that a lot, especially with a uh, door-to-door centric solar company. Uh, he came from Solar City. He's a Solar City goat over there, an award winner. And he's also a real estate investor and author of Walk the Lime. Uh, the description on that book is from knocking on death's door to building a multi-million dollar business. I'm excited for that book to come out, TJ. Welcome to the show, brother. Wow, that was a good intro. Thought you said that intro. <laughs> I've done a few. I, I need I need someone to make me an intro like that. <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably like my hundredth or so intro now. So I've had a I've had a little bit of experience about it. So all right, brother. Well, honestly, the thing that stands out to me the most and has stood out to me since uh, I met you virtually uh, through Apex is. Dude, the fact that you've been through some shit with Lyme, you've done all this despite Lyme disease. You know what I mean? I, I, I saw oh, yeah. a picture one time of your medications and I was like, dude, how is this dude just like functioning, let alone running a multi-million dollar business? So if you don't mind, man, walk us through a little bit of the, the story behind all that. Like with the Lyme and building the business at the same time? Yeah, I mean... If, if I remember correctly, it's been a while since I've, re I've read your story. I think you posted about it a few times, but it's been a little bit over a year. But you found out in the middle of your your first solar position. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Solar City is where I started, 2015. Mm -hmm. uh, solar City. Anyone that sold for Solar City back in the day, it's like, all right, cool. We're we're brothers now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I started selling in, in Vegas three months after Vegas shut down. So NV Energy didn't lost solar. So I had to move to Texas and in Dallas, Texas at the time, the average kilowatt hour rate was about eight or nine cents. Uh, we were selling, it was like 10.9 cent PPAs with 2.9% escalator. And at the time, uh, the electricity rates had been going down for the last four or five years in uh, Encore area. And so we had to really learn how to sell on value and all this stuff. Cause like 60, 70% of all my customers had to pay more to go solar over there. So it was nuts. And like the deregulated market, the, you know, companies you call and try and get usage, like, wait, you're trying to get solar, we'll lower your rate. And then they steal your customer. Um, yeah. So I was over in, in Texas. And then at one point I hit number one uh, in a, something called power rankings. So it wasn't mm -hmm. just the most signed bookings. They took a score of signed bookings to net bookings, to final contracts, to installs. And mm -hmm. so I had the highest score in that. Um, and then short, like about two months after I hit the very peak is when everything started falling apart. Didn't know what was going on. Started getting these weird rashes. 
uh, lost mm-hmm. everything, and then I couldn't work for a year and a half. So I oh went, climbed up to the top. I was on, you know, top of the world and then lost it all. So uh, moved around, eventually ran out of money, went to Arizona, started getting into solar again because this one company, they were able to give me appointments. I was like, cool, I'm too tired to uh, knock doors right now. Let me just silence these bad boys. And um, at that then point, while did, I, you know, did you know it was Lyme oh, disease what? at that point? Um, I knew it was Lyme disease, luckily, only like four months after I started going downhill because I was in San Diego and this doctor mm-hmm. saw the rashes. So he ran a whole panel and it came back Lyme, Bartonella, Babesia, Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, Mycoplasma, and all this stuff. So, yeah, and Rocky <laughs> Mountain Spotted point, Fever. Like, how many weeks do I have to live? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, yeah. There was some tick, the whatever deer tick in texas caught me it was really pissed off but uh yeah rocky mountain spotted fever untreated is like 30 percent fatality rate and all that stuff bartonella was the worst one but i just say lyme disease because people know what that is like they don't know what bartonella is they don't know what all that is but so it wasn't just lyme as the other stuff was way worse than lyme and then the lyme just the lyme takes your immune system down so the other stuff other things can flourish and mm-hmm. kick your ass so yeah, I can't imagine going, like you said, being at the top of the game in Solar City, and then all of a sudden you've got this. So it it, it was, it, you know, Lyme disease, you know, and I, I'm not educated on it. It's not hereditary. It's something that, does it only come from ticks like that? Or can you get it from another insect? Or how does that work? You can get it from other insects. And uh, technically, I believe if like a mother has it, she can pass mm-hmm. it to her child type of thing. Gotcha. Um, it's mostly from ticks. Um, <clears throat> some mosquitoes, other bugs can give it to you. And then mm-hmm. like if you're born and your mom has high levels of it, she can give it to you as well. Gotcha. Uh, but, but psychologically, yeah, it's very, it was very difficult. Um, mentally, I had to learn all sorts of different um, techniques and strategies and acceptance and all this stuff because and door to door, I was so programmed to be just push, 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 overcome right. anything with your mind. And then this was too strong. So I had to like accept, cool, I guess I'm not that guy anymore. I'm not the top, you know, dude, I'm not top salesman. And so my whole identity was challenged. Um, and I'd say the, the mental part of all that was very difficult. Yeah, I can imagine. And then at that point, you've got to become, all right. I've got to become a master at the mental game and the, the technique and the strategy so that I'm not wasting energy at these doors. I'm not, you know, yeah. every conversation I have is a high value, high quality conversation. And so yeah, and what, yeah. what were some of the strategies you started using? Um, real quick, one thing that was really funny was so in Texas, I used a lot of charisma and all that stuff in my sales process. I still had a good sales process, but a lot of it was charisma and they like me and I have energy and all that stuff. And then when I was sick, I couldn't do that. So when I was selling mm-hmm. people in Arizona at my sickest, I had to rely on pure strategy and technique alone. So I was signing mm-hmm. up people that didn't even like me. They wouldn't respond to my text, <laughs> but they'd still get installed. So I had to learn how to be very strategic and everything. But um, the other strategies was like I did a bunch of EMDR um, therapy, hypnosis, uh, a lot of it was learning to break free of the, oh, you're 
your mind can overpower everything. You just use mindset and learn more. Cool. There's this river. The river is very strong and it's going this way. I'm trying to swim upstream. Mm -hmm. I have to go up the stream. Cool. I can't do X, Y, Z, but I can do these other things. So it's like, cool. If I can't do this, what can I do? And then focus on what I can do versus obsessing with what I can no longer do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, when we talk about mindset in a lot of the groups I'm in, it's generally controllables and non-controllables. You know, what are the controllables that, that I can count on that I have complete control of and the non-controllable, it's not that you don't worry about them. You have to adjust and adapt and pivot to them. But at the same time, like you can focus on the action items around those controllables, which is what we teach your guys in the field, right? Focus on your controllables and the results will come, right? So yeah. how do you go from, and- from being a top solar city rep to selling, you know, 500 kilowatts a month in Vegas, despite the um- disease? <laughs> yeah uh, i mean just doing that alone there's a story there right so um it was when i started the the company i was a lot sicker than i am now so now i'm not 100 percent. i still can't do some things but way better Mm -hmm. way way better and um in the beginning it was just a pure surrender to certain principles of success and i'm i love john maxwell he's like Mm -hmm. the leadership guru for me goat and um so it was just cool when i give a meeting it's not for me it's for them so whenever i'd run it before i run a meeting i go cool what does the team need to hear the most right now and how can i communicate that to them most effectively so it gets into their brain and they actually take action so everything i was doing i was purely focusing on the value i'm bringing to the sales rep always treating them right and i just really committed to those principles. Um, so the sales stuff as well, I just used all the processes that I developed from all the strategies I had to do when I wasn't feeling good. So I had a very good system. And then mm-hmm. I think it's kind of nice because uh, there's some people in solar where, you know, they came in, I was like trying to have them teach other people, but they're so random. They use so much charisma that they get a lot of deals, but you can't really duplicate them and they can't teach others but when you just have Mm -hmm. a really strict system cool you do it this way you say it this way your body language is this way you'll get this result Mm -hmm. and then you're not so dependent on how you feel because the customer they don't know how you feel the only way they feel anything from you is from your micro expressions your behavior and your tonality of how you're coming across so you can feel bad Mm -hmm. inside but still have the right tonality and behaviors and the customer will still feel the confidence and the certainty. So, um, that's nice when as a salesperson, you can be free from, Oh, I got to feel really good to get a sale. And it's like, cool. As long as I have this stuff memorized, then I can still produce a result no matter how I feel that day. I think there's a huge advantage in you having to adapt that way. And then, basically it being the foundation of your systems. You know, I I always talk about how I wasn't the best salesperson starting out. I didn't knock it out of the park when I started knocking doors. And because of that, I had to create systems for the average Joe, like me, I had to create training, had to create a Mm -hmm. script, had to create a simple system that the average Joe could follow, not the, you know, the top seller, but the average Joe could follow. So then we could scale. 
And that's one of the reasons that we were able to scale so quickly. In my case, I wasn't a good salesperson. In your case, you were, but you didn't have the energy to be a good salesperson anymore. So you had to use the systems at that yeah. point. And then naturally that's what you're going to teach in your company. And it's obviously been doing really well for you. Yeah. So, and at the beginning it sucked. Mm -hmm. Like first day of solar city, I really sucked. I knocked nine to five on a Saturday and set one appointment. So it was really hard for me, but like you said, I'm, I'm glad that I wasn't just naturally good at it because the difficulty is what brought the systems. But, um, mm -hmm. yeah, what were you about to say? Oh, um, so what do you think, you know, obviously you know why you're a good business owner, right? But there's an intent, there's intangibles involved and there's reasons that people follow you and stay with you despite when things go, don't go well in the business or when, you know, their, their paychecks get pushed out because of install issues or whatever the case is. Right. Why do you think, uh, your team at this point follows you? Uh, so my paychecks have never been pushed out luckily. So I always keep a big reserve. Um, so I've never missed payroll once, never mm -hmm. screwed anyone on pay. If it's a mistake, I always eat that. Um, and then I'm very careful what I say and anything I tell them to do or, hey, you should do this, I have done or do. Um, so this is the fifth year technically, but for the first three years of the business, it's a little over four years old, I outsold mm -hmm. everybody for three years straight. So there was never, when I was never running a meeting and they could never say, Oh, well, he's just telling us to do this. He doesn't know what it's like out here um, right. because I was, I was outperforming everybody. And so I'm very careful what I say. I remember I had this guy, um, sales manager, and at one point it was getting dark at night for winter. And he goes, man, how are we going to get these sales reps to knock at night? And I go, we go knock at night, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, how do we get them knock at night? We go knock at night. Like, you don't just tell them to go knock at night. We go knock at night. We set a bunch of appointments, get some deals. Now everybody's going to want to knock at night. And so I think um, just being willing to put it all on the line, always being very careful of what I say. So no matter what I say, it's going to come true and um, never screwing anyone over. They just know if I say something, then it's for real. It's like, I'm not just yeah. blowing smoke. Yeah, it's and I could at that point. The thing is too, like even the book, it's funny. Everyone's so surprised that I wrote that book. Um, cause I also have a saying, I'd rather say what I did than tell you what I'm going to do. Cause mm -hmm. I feel like if you tell everyone what you're going to do, you get that dopamine fix. You're getting, mm -hmm. you're getting high off telling everyone that. So you're less likely to do it. And then if you don't do it, then people don't trust you anymore. Like it's <clears throat> all these salespeople come to me. Oh, I'm going to kill it this month. I'm going to sell all this. Yeah. I was like, okay, cool. Well, at the end of the month, I'll look at the leaderboard. Right. And I would rather. Mm -hmm. Instead of being the salesperson says, Hey, I'm going to sell like crazy in January. I would rather go sell like crazy and be like, look what I just did in January. Mm -hmm. And then like, holy shit, this person just takes action. They're not just talking all the time. Yeah. I completely understand what you're saying is we, we see it all the time in our circles. You know, these guys come in the groups and tell us everything they're going to do and how they're going to blow up their business and all that type of stuff. And then three months later, they're not in the group anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, what happened? There, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's another side to it, though. You know, and I'm I'm completely guilty of it because you know I I struggle with discipline. You know that that's been a tough thing for me. And so if you know, like when I did my marathon, 
I, I had posted about it maybe like six months ago that I was going to do a marathon. That was my target. That was my goal. You know what I mean? And this is why I was doing it kind of thing. And what that did for me is it created accountability. You know what I'm saying? And I, and you know, I'm that person that's like, and I was, I, I was, I didn't train right. I was overweight when I ran that marathon, but I still ran the fucking thing because I told everybody I was going to, you know what I'm saying? And so there's, I guess there's two sides of that coin, but you know, in the sales world, if yeah, you yeah. what I'm saying, because salespeople come um, and squawk in or new people will get recruited in. And it was like, man, I've heard this a million times, you know? Yeah, no, there's definitely, I think um, you always want to have leverage and accountability, right? No leverage, mm-hmm. no chance. Um, in order to do the behavior because you need you need it more painful to not do the behavior than it is to do the behavior so i'm not saying don't tell anyone anything ever but instead of just blowing all the smoke like i'm gonna sell 15 i'm gonna sell 20 this month and blah 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 be like hey i'm gonna knock 600 doors this week um yeah. i want i want help um i need to knock 100 doors a day if i don't knock 100 doors a day then i'll give you a hundred bucks or whatever it is. And then there's a hundred pushups at the meeting the next day. <laughs> yeah. Then there's leverage and accountability on the behavior. And then the 15 will come as a result, but it's just like, there's too much blow and smoke. Like instead of you being like, Oh, oh I'm yeah. going to run a marathon. I'm going to do it in three hours and 30 seconds. I'm the man laughing <laughs> that everywhere. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's more what I meant. Yeah, for sure, brother. All right, so let's talk recruiting a little bit. So one of, you know, one of the, the metrics that I kept an eye on when I had the large sales teams and different offices and stuff like that was uh, the recruiting piece, the turnover piece. So being in door to door, turnover is typically high. I have a hunch here. I've not asked you about this before, but I have a hunch here that your turnover is considerably low for the industry. So yes. can you kind of walk us through what that turnover is like and how you're able to, mm-hmm. to manage that? So, uh, people that make it to their first five deals is very high. And as far as the company, we have people who have been here four years, as long as a company, we have a bunch of people been here three years, even more, two years. So mm-hmm. once people, um, get a little bit of success, they never leave. Um, as far as brand new people, I actually have a system where we go, cool. We put them through orientation training. We do a group knock. We go, go knock a door. Once you've actually set an appointment, then mm-hmm. we'll send you your contract and get you onboarded just because so many people, when they taste the doors, they quit. Mm-hmm. So I don't know my exact turnover on brand new hires. And then they go their first day and then they're no longer here. But if they've yeah. been here for any amount of time, they almost never leave. Absolutely. And I, I love that you said the first five sales because that, yeah. especially in solar, you know, in cable, we, we tracked to the first five sales, uh, recruiting wise, cause we, we went back to the source and we looked at, okay, you know, is this social media? Is it referral? Is it uh, wise hire? Is it indeed whatever the source was, then we tracked the, the five sale rate at that source. So we knew, okay, what's our best source. We can invest more there. All right, we're not getting the volumes. So we've got to invest in the lower quality source, whatever the case is. And so mm-hmm. it got very technical at that point. But when you do that, when you track those things, then you're you're able to pull those metrics, you know, and really understand, okay, mm-hmm. where do I want to invest? I need higher quality salespeople. Yep. 
I'll invest here. I need more volume. I'll invest here, whatever the case is. So, Yep. Um, yeah, I have those numbers. It's a certain amount don't show up to training and some, some mm -hmm. do, uh, so I can look at that. But um, it is cool because our recruiting sucked. But in the last few months, I went to that recruiting seminar. We hired this agency. We're doing all sorts of cool stuff. So now it's like people are just dialed in. coming in. So we were at the 450 net kilowatts per month for a while. But this mm -hmm. year, this year is the year it's going to finally take off because I recognized, hey, we have everything, but our recruiting's weak. As long as if we improve our recruiting, then we win. So that's why this year is going to be exciting. Two major points, too. And just to double down on what you're saying, the first one is you said, now we're really going to blow it up. You know, most companies, they're doing 500 kilowatts net a month. They're like freaking buying Lambos, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so that's, I love your perspective on that. I mean, I think that's important that that's not enough for you. You know what I mean? Complacency is a tool sometimes. And then the second piece is what you said about recruiting. It's a hundred percent true. You know, I, I spent my first three years in business, super focused on all the metrics except recruiting. And as soon as I focused on recruiting and filled yeah. that budget up, I tripled my budget Then all of a sudden I had tripled the salespeople. It doesn't always work out like that, but when you have a good system in place, you can kind of call your shot and say, I know if I spend, you know, 10 grand this month on ads and recruiting, I'm going to hire 70 to 80 salespeople. And, um, this is how many is going to stick. I know my whole, my numbers at that point, and I can kind of call my shot out of what that will produce in terms of sales in 90 days, you know? Yep. And so, um, I believe in that hundred percent, but you gotta, you know, people always ask, Hey, I'm going to hire myself or salesperson, you know, what should I put in the job description? And I say, well, the first thing you should do is build the sales program before you even hire that salesperson. Cause you're oh, just yeah, screwing yeah. them over. If you don't have a good sales program in place. Now we all had yeah. to start somewhere. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, my first day I did not have a sales program in place and I was hiring people. You know what I mean? We were just winging it. But as soon as I could, I was documenting and put that program in place. And then I was able to invest in recruiting. So I think that's yep. the, the formula there. So in solar, where you teach people about the business and then what happens naturally, they start doing their own research. They join the Facebook groups. You know what I mean? Um, what are some of the thing, you know, the thing that keeps them there, your, your two years, three year, four year guys, the thing that kept them there was your culture, right? So yep. what are some of the things you guys are doing to maintain a healthy culture? Um, so the trainings, uh, I put a lot of time into the meetings and, uh, for recruits, we even say, just invite anyone to the meeting. They come to the meeting. The meeting's really good. There's really good vibes. Everyone wants to join. So I'm very, very strategic with the meetings. And I feel like if your meetings are really good and you have a good training platform and you treat people well, like that's really good for a salesperson because a lot of salespeople, they go to these mm -hmm. meetings, the meetings suck or they're boring and then the, everyone hates each other. There's no training and they're just kind of like whatever. So as soon as they come in and all of a sudden they're seeing someone crowd surfing and there's weird stuff, but they're still, <laughs> they're still really deep training and motivation and everything. Like I've, I think it's, I've run 700, 600 meetings over the last four years. And mm -hmm. while I'm running every meeting, I'm always scanning the audience and I'm always watching and I'm seeing what's working and what's not. And what I found that works the best to maintain people's attention is if I do, you know, the little beginning role play a little bit, 
I have some sales training and then mindset. And I always do the combination of the two. Cause if I only did sales, they mm -hmm. always lost focus. If I only did mindset, they're always, they're starting to nod off. But if I did, mm -hmm. boom, here's some really good sales. And whether that's a recording or a video of me in the field or something very specific, it's like, Oh shit, I can implement that today. And then boom mindset. Cause it's like 60, 70% of everything I'm doing is trying to get people to work. Then that gives them that, Oh cool. I learned something today. And then also my mind's right. And that, mm -hmm. that's what I found to be the best for me. So really good meeting, good training, and then taking care of your people so that there's no, no shadiness, no screwing mm -hmm. anyone over in any way possible. Uh, then you're good. And it's weird because people in, in solar, I mean, it's not weird, actually, it's pretty normal, but they're so yeah. alert to being screwed over, like any little mm -hmm. slight thing will set someone off. And uh, so I just have to be very, very particular with everything I do to make sure they know you're not going to get screwed over here and then they'll stay. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So would you say you're, would you prefer a salesperson that has already sold solar before or a brand new recruit? I would rather them have sales experience, but not solar. Mm -hmm. The best would that be like someone, yeah, someone who sold um, energy in a deregulated market. That's probably my favorite um, mm -hmm. because they already understand electricity rates. They already understand that their commissions were a little bit, were pretty low. So when they come in and solar, they're really excited. So they understand mm -hmm. the basics of electricity and door knocking. And then I'm going to teach them solar when they've already known how to sell solar. It's weird. Like half the interviews that come in, I go, all right, so how does the ITC work? Um, the customer gets a rebate check and it's like, all right, this, I'm going to have to retrain this person. Yeah. Um, so they, a lot of sales, solar sales people have been trained wrong. They think they know everything and they don't. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes their ego is big. So I prefer someone that has not sold solar, but they have sales experience and then just to build them up from there. I couldn't agree more. It's so much easier. You know, we call them retreads, uh, especially like in the cable world. Re retreads, people that come from oh, other companies, especially like yeah, managers yeah. and leaders, because that's that's exactly what you have to do. They're the rubber on that tire is worn down and probably taught the wrong things and everything. So you got to go in there and retread. And it's an investment, you know, versus somebody brand new coming in, you get to teach them from scratch. They're just accepting everything you say and executing on it and seeing the result. Yep. You got to retread coming retread. in. They have these, yeah, they have these oh, I'm uh, still bad habits. Oh, go for it. Uh, this bad mindset or whatever the case is, you know, maybe they were so focused on the result. That's typically the biggest thing I see when the retreads come in is they're, they're all about the result and not the actions that got them to that result. Yep. So, you know, that's what they hang their hat on. But if they just focus on the actions, they would be a lot more productive and honestly happier and not contingent every day on having that close, that dopamine hit, like you talked about. Yeah. And people, uh, we have the five setter. <clears throat> so they, if they're new, they do five setter. And if they've already sold mm -hmm. solar, they always want to skip that first five setter. So we go, cool. If you're really good at what you do, sign a deal by yourself in the first week. And if you do that, then you can skip setter and nine times out of 10, they can't do it. So we go, cool. Mm -hmm. You're not as good as you say, we're going to train you though. And we're going to get yeah. you, we're going to get you good.
Yeah, for sure. And I, and I like that you're still open to that. You know what I mean? That investment that you got to make and whether it's retraining or just giving them the training they actually need to be able to close. You know, it's crazy how the industry is changing so much. And, you know, a lot of owners and just the industry in general is realizing the value is really in the setter. You know what I mean? Because everybody thinks they're a closer <laughs> yeah. or like wants to be a closer, you know? Yeah. When, when you yeah. have a setter that can go out and consistently get you leads, I mean, that is rare right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we take care of our setters and I try and make sure the advanced, we call them advanced setters when they're making high commissions on it. Um, mm -hmm. I try and make sure they know, hey, you can make more money being a really good advanced setter than having to learn how to be a closer because sometimes I think we we glorified being a closer too much. So everyone wanted to be a closer. And I was like, mm -hmm. hey, closer is cool, but you also have these other this other avenue. You can make a lot more money and all you're doing is being really good at setting appointments. You got you don't have to learn the back end. You don't have to learn sending docs, credit, following up, site mm -hmm. survey, root quotes or anything. Just set a bunch of appointments. But even now, it's still like I can still tell people want to become closer. So yeah, um, you got to make sure the setter position is is given its uh, credit. Yeah, for sure. And it's like the like everything else. It's like eventually they're going to want that owner under their title. You know what I'm saying? If they're entrepreneurial minded, which most of the guys that we hire are right. And so if you can create opportunity in between that entry level and the owner, you know, that gives them ownership or gives them profit sharing or something like that, then you're in good shape. You scratch that itch for them. You know what I'm saying? Because it yep. is just an itch until you get there and you're like, oh, maybe I don't want to do all this. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I, I know. I I tell everyone I'm I'm envious. Like, I uh, I wish I could hire myself because, um, you know, being able to be plugged in, sales manager, over, you know, overrides and running a team and just being really mm -hmm. good at sales and helping people sell versus having to deal with the liability and the payroll and the, the, the legal and all that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of people would not want to be the owner. They would not enjoy yeah. that at all. Now I can't tell you how many times I've realized, Hey, I'm not going to make payroll based on cash flow on Monday and had to like figure it out by Friday. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Plenty of times that that's happened. You know what I mean? It's oh, like yeah. you said, you, you either have a really good reserve or you're really resourceful. And I was really resourceful for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> All right, brother. Right. So one of the thing, one of the things I noticed about, um, so when I went to your Facebook page, you've got uh, join direct solar there and you go yeah. to that and it's actually a funnel. And so I mm -hmm. really appreciate that because, you know, most, most companies just have the, their website and then they have join, you know, tab and you go to that join yeah. tab and it's just like a form and submit, you know what I mean? But you've got an actual yeah. recruiting funnel in place here. What inspired you to do this? Um, I for, I think I saw, was it Taylor McCarthy or one of those Armstrong? guys? Uh, no, it was Taylor McCarthy, I think. Okay. And I saw some kind of funnel he had. I said, hey, how did you build that? And he sent me some guy. And so I hit him up. And um, because I was thinking, how can I get more higher level recruits? That's why I wrote 10 Solar Secrets. 
actually recruited mm-hmm. some high level people because they read they read that and they go, oh, TJ knows what he's talking about. He's not full of shit. Mm-hmm. And um, we haven't fully had that bring in a lot of applicants. But what it has done is the existing applicants, like let's say they apply on Indeed, they're going to come in mm-hmm. for an interview. We send them that. They go through all that and it makes them stick and it sells them on working here. So it's done wonders for after they are invited in. Um, but we still need to play around with like advertising it and the 10 solar secrets. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it's great because then people go, oh, cool. Like sometimes interviewees come in, they already know my story. They've already watched three sales rep testimonials. They see the yeah. meeting, they see the positive culture and they're like, okay, this is, this is the place I want to be. So then in the interview, it's more just we're having a conversation, making sure they're legit. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. You think you can set an appointment? Cool. Go out tomorrow, hit the doors. If you set an appointment, then we'll hire you on. Yeah. I love that because you're building the authority before they even, even apply necessarily, or when they're just a yep. candidate. Right. And you know, the way that I used to do that the old school way was I hired a PR company and I wrote, articles and showed up at news stations and did interviews with influencers and stuff like that with, and it was TV back then, you know, this is 10 years ago when I was doing this. So, um, social media wasn't as big. It wasn't as easy to create all these authority pieces, um, back then. So basically it was Google the company and they would get all these articles that I had written, create the authority. All right. You know, this guy's legit. He owns the company you know, that whole deal. And so you're doing the same thing, you know, and now we call it building your machine, right? Which is, yep. uh, you know, an apex backend course that you and I have both been through and, mm-hmm. uh, and it works beautifully building that authority beforehand increases those conversion rates on recruiting. So that's what you want. Yep. So going into that, you've been crushing the reels lately. I've been seeing all your reels, liking everyone I get my hands on. And, um, what, what has reels done for your business so far? I know you just started investing in that. So have you seen an ROI yeah. yet? Yes. And, that's come from it? Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. The, the video too, like that funnel, it's all videos. What we're doing right now is video. Um, everyone wants video now and it's weird cause it's on everything. It's portrait mode. Now, no one's recording in landscape. Um, yeah. and so the reels, now I'm slacking on this because I've got a bunch of people that start fo- whoops, excuse me, start following me, messaging me, but I hate logging in and trying to go through there. But one time I just logged in, looked at like 20 followers, sent them a very basic message. Hey, what are you doing for work? And hired two of them just from mm-hmm. going through my Instagram. So I'm yeah. slacking a little bit, but, uh, People see that and they want to come work or there's already that credibility there. And um, I know with stuff like that too, it's all about consistency. I knew Mm -hmm. in the first month, no one would give a shit. Two months, that's kind of interesting. Three months, wow, he's still putting out good content every single day. Four months, five months, six months. Okay, this guy's legit, right? So I I had a very, I have a very long-term view with it. And it's some people like one guy, he just messaged me. Hey, all I see when I log into social media is you and your team. It looks awesome. Like I'm in California. I want to come. I want to sell. And that stuff happens a lot. But I should, what I really should do is hire someone to go in 
into my account and send all these people messages because I know if I went in and actually sent 25 messages a day, I'd probably recruit a person a day just from that. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm not fully capitalizing on what I've built, but I'm still putting it out. Yeah. And then this is where if we were on a, you know, a connection call or a consulting call or something like that, I would immediately tell you hire a VA because that is yeah. one of the best things I did. And that's why my, my social media is so consistent. Our podcast is so consistent uh, in terms of promoting it is because our VAs just crush it, man. They're, they're just like, that is their sole purpose is to put out your, that social media content. Is your VA in the, in the United States or is it Philippines or what? So I've got, you know, we've got Ryan, our producer. So he creates a lot of the podcast content and everything. And then they chop it up and turn it into reels and all that. And so two of them are in the Philippines and then cool. Ryan's here locally. And then I have a, a operations person that's here locally as well on the uh, building grade sales team side. Yeah. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's the hack, man. And they're, they're, they're trained to do it by the time you get them. You know what I'm saying? Especially if you go through a placing agency, they've already got them vetted. And uh, I mean, I do that today. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it is an awesome thing to do. And so um, that's good, man. I mean, that's a, that's a big part of it now. If you're a leader in sales and you don't have, if your social media game is not on point, you're like you said, you're missing out on recruits. You're missing out on yeah, people qualified before they even I, talk to you because they've seen your stuff. I resisted it. I resisted it. There are certain people on Instagram blowing up that I didn't like. So I was like, I don't want to be like them and blah, 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 and right. all this shit. And then finally, I was like, all right, Instagram, TikTok, this is where it's at. Although <laughs> I, I hate TikTok. I don't even log in. It's like people, I'm not Me posting either. the video. Like, someone else posts it because TikTok it plays a video right when you log in and tries to trap your dopamine. I'm like, no. Um, but it's funny because sometimes I've done videos where I'm like, don't spend time on TikTok or Instagram. Well, I guess unless you're watching my video, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, they're they're traps, and so I hate going on there. So I need a VA to go on there for me, send some basic messages, and if they're and if someone's actually connecting, hey, this person's talking, go have a conversation with them. Uh, but I resisted it, and if you're resisting it, and you're listening to this call, you're going to be left behind. It's the same thing with AI. AI is coming up. If you resist AI, you're going to be left behind. So it's Instagram, TikTok. You got to be on there to be relevant because that's what people are using. And if every time they open their phone, they see you on there, then that's the power of it. It's the consistency. And people's people's uh, attention spans suck. I remember um, I got a bunch of good feedback over Thanksgiving because all these people watching my videos are like, yeah, I watched like 30 seconds and then I just close it. I'm like, shit, I got to make my videos 30 seconds, 40 seconds long for yeah. people to watch it. So you have to make them short too. So mm-hmm. it's not so much what do I wish worked or how do I wish the world was. The world is short attention span, Instagram, TikTok, uh, YouTube reels, and you have to be there in order to win. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if not, your competition is going to recruit your people away from you or recruit your customers yeah. away from you. One or the other. Correct. Because all your all your sales reps are they're waking up to Instagram. Yeah. Their phone's next to their bed. They're, they're opening it up. They're instantly scrolling. They all do it. Yeah. They're not listening to TJ. They're, they're right I'm on. Trying to when they wake up. Don't, <laughs> don't sleep with your phone in your room. Leave it outside your room. But anyway. Absolutely. Random tangent. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, speaking of being left behind, like this, uh, what is it, ChatGP or Chat AI is blowing up everywhere, right? <clears throat> oh, yeah. And, you know, one of the things I never let my VAs do was my posts, my like personal page posts, because I always wanted my my voice to come out in my posts. You know what I mean? And I yeah. post a lot of personal stuff. And so I wanted to make sure that when it came to my personal posts, that that wasn't something that that I was outsourcing. You know what I mean? And now this chat GP has come up, chat AI, whatever it's called. And so, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Ryan was talking about it the other day. And so we decided we're going to do a, an episode where um, we ask chat GP a question and we get chat GP's response. And then we get my response and we're going to like see who gives the better response, the AI or Doug Mitchell. You know what I mean? Hey. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's so we're going to do a That's battle good. like that. But I'm yeah. also kind of doing it because it's like, I'm resisting it already. So I got to find a way mm-hmm. to like engage with it and figure it out to see how it, it may not necessarily be something that replaces content writing, but it can be a tool for content writing to where, all right, how do I use this as a search tool and figure yeah. out, okay, what are the steps to uh, installing the solar system and seeing the official steps, right. And then being able mm-hmm. to use content based on that. Yeah. And, uh, Two things on that. You actually gave me a good idea for the VA for your content. What I probably try and do is when you're walking, whatever, just record a voice note, send it to them, have them write it. Um, but the mm-hmm. AI, I'm re- I've been resisting it as well, but I think it's going to play a huge role in ads, um, running ads and all that stuff. And uh, it's going to be implemented in ways we can't even predict. And so I was resisting as like, I don't have to learn about this. And I was like, well, shit, I'm going to have to learn about it because whoever learns about it's going to have an advantage. Cause I went in there and I said, how do I stop sales reps from screwing over my company? And it wrote out this huge, not huge, but this big five-step thing. And I'm reading through it and I was like, Oh, if, if I did those five things, they, I couldn't get screwed over. And it was, it was like an actual legitimate list of, Hey, you know, constant training monitor randomly have welcome calls recorded and like, metric and all this stuff i was like oh ai is it's here it's cool. already here <laughs> i don't i don't know well, if we could do you know how to knock a door in vegas yet maybe it would have a crappy pitch for that well actually i should try that maybe i don't know but that's the thing is dealing with unlimited information mm-hmm. so it's like you know i'm doing this whole episode where i go against it but you know, at the end of the day, when it's somebody that's not in the business, AI is going to wipe the floor with me because it's going to be able to teach them better than I am because it's, it's teaching them from a place of understanding that they have zero knowledge. So it's giving them steps, like you said, versus I may assume a lot. I may, because I'm in it every day, I may, I may skip steps. You know what I'm saying? So I think there's a lot of validity there. You know, it might get to the point where you could have a bunch of successful door knocks that are recorded. It analyzes them all, maybe put in certain parameters. Then any sales rep could record a door knock, upload it through the app to the AI. It'll give them all this feedback. Hey, your tone was rising like you were nervous. You got to, you know, fix that. You said this here. You got to fix that. You didn't, you didn't get do pullbacks or whatever here and here and mm-hmm. here. <clears throat> maybe you have instant feedback. You don't have to send it to your sales manager for them to go through anymore. They just upload it in an app and that just instantly tells them do this on the next door mm-hmm. to improve. So there is a software out there 
like that for virtual sales. Yeah, it's called Connect and Sell. I interviewed the CEO a couple months ago and it's, but it's, it's obviously for virtual. It's not something that you can apply on the doors. It'd be kind of weird, but uh, (laughs) virtually it does. Basically every time you have a pitch, it's analyzing that pitch and honing in the, the best responses to every objection, the best structure, the best pitch, all those things. And uh, so it was a really, uh, Chris Beal is the CEO and the guest we had on that episode. And, you know, he crushed it. He, he did say something though, that gave me hope for us humans, you know what I mean? (laughs) And, uh, it was that in order for someone to buy from you, they, they have to, you know, there's the whole no like and trust factor, but in order for them to like you, they need, man, and it's in the episode and I wrote it down and I kept it in my notes. It's something like 2,500 bytes of information. And when you get a text or an email or something from a bot, you know what I'm saying? A a character of a text only has five to seven bytes in it, right? But the human voice in seven seconds emits something like 2,500 bytes of information. So a human can get you to trust, can get someone to trust them a lot faster than AI right now. Now, when AI can make their voice sound like a human voice, well, yeah, now we're in trouble. <laughs> Which you see some deep, of, it, you know, they're going to be deep fake. So there'll be a, a AI Doug Mitchell that yeah. looks just like, you know. But anyways, yeah, talking about AI's, some AI that's get me in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Doug Mitchell yeah. says he has integrity and he's a family man, but look what he says over here. <laughs> <laughs> it analyzes all your stuff and starts saying crazy. All right, brother. Well, let's talk about the book. What, what inspired you to write this book? Why this subject? Why not solar or sales or, you know, just your story in general? Why were you focused on walk with line, Um, walk the line? Yeah. And I might write a solar sales book. Um, I'm sure there's some good ones. Walk the line. So what happened was December, 2020, I got COVID the first time around, like when it was scary and, uh, I'm all messed up. I can't sleep my lungs. I'm on, I'm using a nebulizer trying to protect my lungs. And there was a moment where I was like, Hmm, I'm really sick. There's a small chance. Maybe I could die. And I'm, so I'm just meditating and go, if this was it, it's probably not, but if it is, what is the thing I wish I would have done? And it was like, right write a book about your story. I was like, all right, cool. And, um, Lyme is just a very personal thing for me. And I really have a, a soft spot for people with health issues. And so it was more of a passion project. Like the editor, they said, what do you want out of this book? Like you're trying to run a course or a program or make whatever. I was like, I don't care about making any money. I don't want a course. I don't want any of that. I just want someone that was in my spot to read this book, give hope and give them hope and help them. And it was just, I think we're going so hard in solar and growing solar so crazy that Mm -hmm. you have something on the side where it's purely for giving back. Um, It it feels good and it kind of rounds you out and it gives you a different type of satisfaction. And so that's why I wrote it. So it wasn't for solar, wasn't, although it does have a lot of 
stuff in there yeah. about that because yeah. that's a core part of the story. But you know, but it's like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like, what as a person, what do I want to represent? What kind of impact do I want to have? And these are my people. So how can I help them? I love it, man. I'm excited for it to come out. Definitely going to order it for me and my team when it comes in. And I recommend everybody listening do that as well. We'll have a link in the show notes and then we'll update it when it comes out so that you can actually order it. Awesome. Yeah, the man. link, there's a link that works for it now. It goes to Amazon. Okay. Um, you can pre-order. And then on, on the 24th of January for a week, I'm going to make the Kindle 99 cents so anyone can buy it. So someone with Lime that doesn't have any money can still buy it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's funny because you know, it would be cool for people to read it. But at the same time, there's so much like intense stuff in there that when people read it, they're going to know a lot of Yeah, yeah. It's going to yeah. be, oh, yeah. you're going to see all that. But whatever. You only live once. So might as well. well. I mean, there's there's two pieces to it, right? There's the mindset of, all right, once I'm vulnerable, once I put all my shit out there and I'm honest with people, you can't hurt me. You know what I mean? True. There's that mind because it's like, what are you going to say? I've told yep. you everything. And that's what I yeah. started doing about a year ago. And I sleep so much better at night now that I'm not right. holding secrets or holding, you know, these these things about myself. It's all out there. You know what I mean? And that's why when something big happens in my life, like winding down my solo division, you know, that I posted about this morning, I immediately post about it and I put it out there. And I'm like, hey, I don't want people talking about this. I don't want, you know what I mean? This is. This is what happened and this is how you can learn from it. This is what I learned from it. This is why I'm doing yeah. it, you know, and uh, it, it happens all the time. I'll be having like a connection call with somebody or a conversation with them. And they'll be like, yeah, you posted this thing three months ago and it inspired me to do this or it convicted me to do that. You know what I'm saying? And so there, you know, you were talking about that intangible, that, you know, non-selfish thing, you know, that body of work that you can put out there. And so that's, kind of what my social media is for me. And, uh, but no, I couldn't agree more, man. So what are you excited about? What's next for you in direct solar? Woo. Oh man. 2023, <laughs> especially Q1. It's going to be wild. You know, some stuff I got to keep on the D low until, uh, <laughs> that's fine. But um, whatever you want to share, brother. but you know, we're just, we got a huge recruiting coming. We got a lot of cool stuff we're developing. Um, the book and like 2023, um, without, you know, going back on what I was talking about earlier and being blowing smoke, but 2023, <laughs> it's going to be like, I'm just instantly negating what I did. Yeah. Like, you got to catch yourself. <laughs> 2023 is, is like going to be our breakout year. We kind of went through all this crazy stuff. Like, People coming in, screwing us over, legal, figuring this out, getting the foundation, getting this going, getting the recruiting going. And it's so solid now. And with the recruiting, mm-hmm. we just we have the platform to really take off. And I'm just I'm super excited to see like all the people on my team stepping up. Like we promoted um, this girl Naomi to sales director and she's killing it and she has come a long way. And it's just cool seeing everyone that has grown and developed into who they are to where now we can take off. And I'm just really excited to see that. It's fantastic, man. I'm happy for you. Uh, I've been a part of that for, well, not that, but I've been seeing your journey for about two years now. 
and seeing you come out with all this content, 10 selling secrets of solar. And now the book is just amazing, you know, so I'm, I'm here for it, brother. And I'm excited for yeah. direct solar, what you guys are going to do in 23. So last question. And I ask this to all of all my guests, what does legacy mean to you and what legacy are you going to leave behind? Legacy means to me, uh, what would I have wanted to represent when I'm 75 and about to die? And, uh, when you fast forward to that moment, it puts a lot of things into perspective. And what I have wanted to represent was to be an icon or an example of someone coming from some harsh conditions that still rose up to give inspiration to other people and give other people permission to do the same thing. And so that's how I thought about the book was cool. When I'm 75, would I have rather played it safe and not put this out there? Or would I be proud that I put it out there? I'd be proud I put it out there. Cool. Then I got to put it out there. And a lot of people don't like to talk about death or whatever, but I think Steve jobs, he had something weird where he'd go to like a cemetery every week or something and just contemplate the shortness of his life. So for me, it's when I'm 75, who will I have wanted to represent and what kind of impact would I want to made want to have made on people for me to feel at peace when it's my time to go and then work backwards from there. No, I love that with the end goal in mind. And I think if, if I may, a big part of that is going to be, you know, the, the book is just the beginning, right? Cause you're a young dude, you know what I'm saying? So the book is just the beginning yeah. and, uh, that impact is going to happen while you're alive. That legacy is going to, you're already going to see it happen when you're alive, you know? And so I'm excited for that brother, man. You brought a ton of value to the show today. Appreciate you coming on. Um, yeah, it's fun. if people want to reach out, they want to work with you on solar and they want to, um, they want to work with you on <laughs> Keith Goss. On he said Martin. the dash between dates is very, very short. Oh, okay. That wasn't a joke. He's being serious. My bad. No, that makes sense. You know, he's right. When you look at that cemetery. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's very short. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. The dash between dates is very short. I'm going to steal that too. That's, <laughs> that's what we're here yeah. for. We're here to chop it up. And stuff <laughs> stuff together. That's, that's what it's yeah. all about, man. That's right. All right, brother. Well, wh where's the best places for everybody to reach out to you at? Um, 10 Solar Secrets, if they want the the book on selling solar, uh, join Direct mm -hmm. Solar if they want to check out um, the company. And then if they have a health problem or Lyme, then walkthelime.com for the book. Absolutely. And I would encourage everybody, even if you don't, and you need some inspiration in your life, um, order that book. I'm, I'm excited about it and we'll be reading it here soon. Sweet. All right, cool. brother. Appreciate you. Y'all, y'all have a good one. Y'all know, as always, we don't have any ads on the show or anything. We just ask that you pay the fee. The fee is share the show, drop a like, drop some comments like, like Keith has appreciate you brother. And, uh, y'all enjoy the rest of the day. We'll see you on the next one. Later. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. Be sure to execute on what you just heard and let's get building. As always, remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you consume podcasts. You can also head on over to buildinggreatsalesteams.com 
and sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the podcast. See you next time.